by the stage we start looking at companies which is series b onwards there's a lot more of data for us to chew on uh the product market fit is already established even the go to market is already established to some extent what we need to uh, then figure out is that this current set of team can build upon this platform that has been set up to grow 4x 7x 10x from the current levels in the defined time frame that we have in mind hey everyone this is prashant and i'll be your host for the vc 10x podcast and today we have richard lahoti with us richard is a managing partner at mega delta capital investing in mid market indian startups in this episode we talk about richard's story and how he started investing how they help set up nea india origin story of mega delta capital tracking india's growth story how does early stage investing differ from growth stage exit options available to founders and lots more so without wasting any time let's dive straight in hey richard so good to have you on the vc10x podcast how are you doing very good thank you prashant for having me here it's a pleasure uh, hopefully we'll have some fun over the next uh, 30 40 odd minutes Absolutely it's a pleasure having you on and we'll be going to going to a lot of things about growth equity something that we haven't covered a lot on the podcast yet so before we do that i can we first have your story and how you started investing oh, it's an interesting story i guess uh, and, and i'm biased for sure uh, but essentially uh, a marwari by background so uh, accounts maths was what i was always good at Uh, post mba i joined a company called tcs the largest it services company in the country and in tcs uh, last year and a half i spent doing m and a uh, for them so essentially a buy side role where i was looking and taking a very long term view on which assets to buy for tcs uh, working with a cross section of teams etc so that got interested that got me interested into investing per se uh, and then i did sell side research as well which further confirmed the fact that i wanted to be on the buy side private markets uh, i was uh, and then i joined icici venture uh, this was way back in 2007 uh, uh, they were the largest domestic pe firm at that time uh, so i joined uh, in at icici venture uh, um, in in the team that was being led by bala bala desh pande she continues to be my colleague uh, all the way 15 years out at uh, nea and then mega delta as well so uh, it's been a interesting 15 16 year or journey in private market investing in india right uh, that's that's very interesting and i also learned that uh, you were involved in setting up nea uh, india right and uh, nea is like one of the most reputable funds right across the globe So, what was the goal with setting that up, and also what was the experience setting it up? I guess that was a, a very transformative phase uh, for three of us, uh, Bala and Tarun, my batchmate and colleague, who joined soon after, uh, and myself. Uh, I guess uh, when we were at ICICI Venture, we were doing and looking at uh, investing from a lot more of India-only lens. uh when the opportunity to set up the india platform for any came about bala was the one who got hired first she was the general partner equivalent uh, and i got uh, to apply meet some fantastic people and then uh, finally decided to join any realizing that uh, 
probably any like investing is very far away uh, from what we are doing in India. But at least uh, that would be more future uh, future ready investing of some sorts. So uh, when we joined, uh, this was the uh, time when cloud was just about picking up 2009-ish, right? Uh, and enterprise tech, uh, big databases, et cetera, were just getting built out and formulated in the US, while in India, we were very, very far behind. So it was a great learning curve for uh, the three of us uh, as we understood and learned uh, IP-driven investing uh, as is the NEA style, but incorporated that to uh, essentially uh, set up an, a distinctive identity and a thesis-driven investing for NEA in India because we couldn't have done the uh, similar or same kind of investing that NEA does because that ecosystem is not there, the kind of entrepreneurs' uh, investments required were not uh, there in the Indian context. So we picked up uh, the nuanced investing style and applied it to India in the context of uh, Indian businesses, Indian ecosystems, and built that portfolio. Uh, I guess in the early days, nobody even had heard of any. Any is a very, very quiet brand name, even in the US, even though they are probably the largest VC funds, but they are a very, very quiet uh, VC fund, unlike uh, their other peers in the US markets. So it was, uh, the first few years was about building up the NEM brand as well. So it was not just about uh, uh, taking an NEM platform and just duplicating it in India, but was actually scratch, uh, setting it up from scratch, which was also exciting. I guess uh, we learned how to build the practice, uh, expanded that practice, grew it to the size scale, uh, which which was very, uh, uh, which was very, very uh productive as an experience, if I may call it that, heartening, because we were really living through the Indian story. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And that, that's very interesting. So that's, that's uh, I believe, how you got a taste of the Indian market in, in the like, startup investing space. Uh, so And then, then you got on to building Mega Delta Capital, the three of you, right? Uh, so what was the initial investment thesis like? Uh, was it the same as... What, what was with NEA India or was it different over here? Sure. And I think uh, I'll take it to a little bit of a story around how Megadelta got set up because that context setting is important. At NEA, we were investing out of a global fund, right? Uh, and NEA had two uh, other geography practices. Other Most of the other practices were inside the US, uh, healthcare, tech, and, and so on and so forth. That were China and India. Uh, at some point, NEA decided to move out of the uh, uh, international footprint, which is both China and India. Uh, and uh, the China team spun out uh, carrying some of the China investments with them and setting up their own practice. We uh, borrowed that from the China team and uh, spun out with our fund one, which is essentially a portfolio that we acquired that we had built for NEA. So we got uh, seven institutional LPs to come in and give us money for that. So our fund one is essentially that uh, a bunch of portfolio companies that we had anyways invested for NEA that we continue to manage for the new set of LPs. The fund two, uh, which is what we are in the process of raising, hopefully uh, over the next uh, few months, we should get a first close done, is uh, is essentially a $300 million fo uh, target size, mid-market focused fund. Uh, from a sector thesis perspective, it largely remains the same. Uh, so we will continue to back three large spaces, consumer across uh, the digital and not so digital, 
healthcare across pharma devices, services, health tech, and technology, including enterprise SaaS, B2B, uh, or all of the dash tech plays like uh, edutech, fintech, and so on and so forth. So these three broad spaces uh, is what we would look at uh, and continue to look at. What would change from NEA to now is essentially at NEA, we could have written a $2 million check or a $50 million, $60 million check given that we were operating out of a $2.5, $3 billion global fund. I guess with our own uh, $300 million odd fund size, we would uh, keep the tram lines a little narrower. We'll probably start off with $8, $10 million odd uh, and go up to $20, $25 million of investments in a single company. Uh, not more than that. So typically end up with 12, 15 odd portfolio companies uh, in that uh, fund vintage. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I'd like to understand like why this focus on mid-market growth equity, because you've had experience in early stage as well. So uh, why didn't you uh, go for early stage and pick this mid-market growth equity kind of fund? Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, question. And I think as we were, as we spun out of NEA, at NEA, uh, I personally had done a seed investment as well, as well as been part of the team that wrote a $50 million check uh, a growth, a classical growth or late growth as well, and all the all the stuff in the middle, Series A, Series Bs, and Cs. Uh, I guess what when we sat back together as a team, uh, Bala Tarun and I, what we realized that the part that we love the most is about taking companies from a stage two, three, to maybe a seven, eight, right? Uh, obviously, ten being a full blown large enterprise, and we believe that uh, the the experience that we have, the networks that we have built is more appropriate in handling, handholding companies in this phase of the journey, which is equally tricky, if not more. Uh, since you are from India, it, it's a, it's very easy for companies to survive at a subscale level for a long, long time, given the cost economics in India. Right. So therefore, to break out of that two, three uh, stage to get to a seven, eight, is a different kind of a challenge in itself. I'm not saying that uh, from zero to one is 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 less challenging, more challenging, but uh, this one is a very different challenge and probably requires very different way of approaching uh, investing as well as company building, which is what we have enjoyed uh, the most while building it out at NEA as well. It also happened to be the case that this currently is the space which is uh, probably the least competitive as well. Not many funds are there. The funds who are there are very, very collaborative. Uh, I would know all of them. They would know us quite well. Uh, we might have different approaches to investing, but at least broadly the ecosystem is very, very supportive. But finally, I think the main thing was that uh, we have shown through our uh, company building skills at NEA uh, and, and now at Mega Delta that this is a space... Uh, where our value add can be the highest and therefore uh, and th since it was matching with our aspirations it, it was a absolute great fit yeah absolutely and uh, i would like to uh, have you contrast early stage investing like up to maybe series a to what you're doing series b c so how does your approach to investing differ while you're going earlier uh, than when you're going at series b or c stage Sure, and it's it's very interesting. Uh, and I have a whole lot of friends uh, as well as uh, business colleagues in the earlier stage ecosystem. 
I think the approach towards investing is very, very different. In, in the early stage, especially pre-seed, seed, you are basically looking at the founder or founding team uh, and the size of the market opportunity and seeing whether this team can build something in that market opportunity. Uh, the hope is that the founders would uh, would uh, fiddle around and find out something that is relevant uh, and, and would make business sense. And therefore, by design, you would... Uh, try and take a lot more bets as long as you believe the market opportunity is right. So, for example, if it's fintech, you would try and take three, four different kind of uh, approaches to that same consumer fintech market, hoping that one of them would uh, work out, uh, the founders would figure out the product market fit, uh, will be able to grow the companies and so on and so forth. Uh, this, this probably is the most fundamental difference. I guess by the stage we start looking at companies, which is series B onwards, there's a lot more of data for us to chew on. Uh, the product market fit is already established. Even the go-to market is already established to some extent. What we need to uh, then figure out is that this current set of team can build upon this platform that has been set up to grow 4x, 7x, 10x from the current levels in the defined timeframe that we have in mind. Right. So the kind of uh, assessment that we need to have uh, gets to be uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more of a combination of data, uh, market data, company data, uh, competitor data, plus intuition as well. Uh, the founder to product market fit, if you were to call it, or founder fit, if you were to call it, the ability of uh, the founding team to uh, to even uh, hire uh, better than themselves. Uh, uh, or to build uh, or pivot to some extent based on whatever the market feedback is or the uh, essentially the vision that is there on the product or technology roadmap side which will enable the growth curve to uh, remain steep over the next four or five years. So things like that would essentially get to play a lot more, a uh, uh, lot more uh, in, in our investment uh, discussions, decision-making, uh, then it could have been possible in the earlier stages because there's no real data to speak about in, in earlier stages. Uh, I, I, a lot of the other things also start coming to play. We have seen so many companies scale up in different sectors. So what kind of a sales structure or structure works? What kind of, uh, uh, what kind of uh, processes uh, that we can help companies uh, undertake to make sure that this uh, this thing scales up in the in the right way in say tech product tech companies. Uh, what is the architecture that is there? Can this be something that can scale twenty x thirty x in a short period of time or not? So some of those other things come into play, which are otherwise not usually a discussion point, especially at pre seed and seed. At Series A, they still are a discussion point, but probably not not as intensely because. Uh, you are just you've just about achieved a product market fit probably. So therefore, the whole uh, uh, lens changes. The other lens, at least we bring in uh, very very sharply into evaluation of opportunities, is on exitability uh, and uh, the opportunity of uh, or the potential to have uh, multiple exit paths be available uh, uh, in the next say four to five years time frame which is when we would typically look at uh, getting out of uh, companies and monetizing the uh, value creation that has happened. 
So that's another layer that comes in, which uh, usually is not as uh, as well uh, well analyzed or or uh, or discussed when you are doing a seed, pre seed, or a series A. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, let let's talk about the exitability, right? So, uh, what are the usual kind of exit paths that uh, companies at that stage are looking at? Is is that mostly IPOs? Or is it MNAs, right? So, uh, what are the different kinds of paths that are there that uh, startups can be targeting uh, as an ex- exit option? I think there are three uh, different paths, uh, and probably the uh, the most slender one amongst them would be an IPO, because uh, you have to the size scale required to get to be a reasonably covered company is much much larger. So, uh, barring a handful of the companies that can get there, uh, the other two large options that are there are essentially a trade sale for people like us, wherein we sell our ownership to larger uh, PE funds, who will then take these companies and build them into platform plays. Probably, uh, this is what uh, TPG did when TPG did when they bought out uh, our ownership in a IVF company called uh, Nova. Uh, no IBF, right? Uh, they bought that and used that as a platform to buy more assets around it and really take it to the uh, next level. I'm assuming they would probably sell it to a strategic or uh, list that company in the future. We have already exited uh, that company. But that's one uh, avenue available. And I think with the kind of dry powder that is sitting on that uh, part of the value chain, that's a very, very viable uh, opportunity for a lot of the early to growth stage funds like ourselves, where we sell off our ownership to these larger funds who will then uh, change the trajectory once again for some of these companies. Uh, the other one uh, uh, is a classic trade sale. We, uh, instead of, uh, so in case, for example, in First Cry, we sold off uh, our ownership to a bunch of PE funds Right, who wanted to take ownership uh, and be there in that journey of the company from that point to the next logical point. The third, obviously, is strategic uh, in that context. Uh, and again, it's not a very, very easy market uh, to get uh, strategics uh, or strategic transactions to happen. Uh, we did that in our fund one with a company value first. That was an inbound strategic acquisition that happened uh, during COVID, uh, classic case of... Uh, of being able to do this without much physical intervention. Very, very rare to happen. But that's obviously a choice, but that choice also depends upon the founder aspirations as well, right? Uh, The founder has to also think that this is the right time for uh, him to monetize his uh, investment, blood, sweat, uh, alongside the investors. So, uh, so if everybody's aligned, then that becomes a great alternative. More often than not, international strategics who still want to build an India play are, are better partners. I guess the Indian uh, large corporate ecosystem is still uh, warming up to the idea of uh, paying the right price for uh, assets that have uh, built reasonable large size in domestic markets. Right, absolutely. So you've been an investor in companies right from Naptol to First Cry, right? So that's covering an entire generation of Indian uh, startups or businesses, right? 
Naptone, Naptol was one of the very earliest uh, startups that was out there, right? If you call it that. And First Cry being maybe one of the latest, right? So uh, how have you, you seen uh, the Indian startup ecosystem mature uh, in terms of the size and the kind of opportunity that there is? Uh, and also lastly covering the exitability of the companies, right? Sure. Uh, and I, I guess there's my first brush of this was in 2007 when I was at ICSA Venture. We did some very interesting investing there, including uh, one of the first uh, payment tech companies out of India. Uh, and again, I from that point on to, I think, 2023, uh, what has changed significantly is entrepreneur quality. I guess uh, the the kind of entrepreneurs that are coming in to even uh, the seed, pre-series A, series A, BC obviously is much better, uh, is, is of a different level altogether. I, I don't think uh, there's any naivety left. Uh, these are individuals or teams who have worked in those spaces, uh, built businesses, and are clear on what is the value proposition they want to uh, create over the next, say, 8 to 10 years odd. Right, uh, so uh, so that quality of uh, of entrepreneurs has significantly grown up. Uh, I think a few notches uh, from say way back in two thousand six seven to two thousand twenty three. Uh, the other thing that has significantly changed is the Indian economy itself. Uh, the size scale of markets have uh, have been transformational, which essentially means that uh, it is possible to create much larger businesses. Uh, now than what was possible to create in 2007 or 15 or or even say three four years back pre-COVID, so that has been a very large uh, driver. I think at least uh, that's the reason why we are all excited at Mega Delta. We believe that this is a multi-decadal opportunity uh, as Indian ma- economy continues to grow. Uh, we will have very very large markets being available in sub-sectors, not sectors. Earlier, consumer used to be a sector. Now we are, we are saying that there will be sub-sectors which would be very, very large and therefore ability to build large businesses would be there. So that's, uh, that's a market context. The third thing has uh, been very interesting, which uh, if somebody would have told me in 2009-10 as well, I would have said, I don't think so, is the availability of the kind of capital. Uh, I had never thought that... Uh, way back in 9-10, and maybe I was naive as well, uh, at that time that uh, $100 million checks would be just handed around to companies uh, over, over a month or two months of, uh, of discussions and not even diligence, right? So, uh, so those kind of, uh, those basically change the nature of investing as well. Uh, the hedge funds moving into uh, venture capital, private equity markets. Uh, I don't think... Uh, uh, that I do think that's transformational as well because that has pushed funds like us to also rethink about how we invest, what is the kind of uh, capital structures and scenarios we should be mindful of uh, as we build towards much larger opportunities. And therefore, the ambition that founders can also have is much larger because the capital availability is at, at a different order altogether. Um, I think last one, and again, this is something that obviously because of the sector I invest in is is uh, is I believe is completely been transformational is uh, is democratization of tech as we speak. 
the same technology platforms uh, that you want to build a product on is available in the US as in, as in India. Uh, Indian engineers are no less uh, yeah, capable of uh, crafting products out of those same technology platforms. Uh, and the price and cost of that has made it possible to uh, quickly reiterate, make mistakes, find the right uh, right uh, product uh, uh, product uh, features, product applicability, uh, so that you can get uh, get much closer to your customers in in terms of what they need and what your product delivers. So that the democratization led by cloud, led by common applications available has ensured that uh, businesses out of India can also deliver to a very, very large local market as well as uh, near shore and, and offshore markets as well, including the developed markets. So that's, that's again, something uh, I did not anticipate, honestly, in 2009-10 that it will happen at this faster pace. In fact, uh, COVID probably has accelerated that by five, seven years if not more, both domestically and internationally. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, another important aspect right now in, in the the entire investing uh, sphere of startups is uh, the downturn, downturn that we are seeing, right? The funding has kind of paused. And uh, especially that's especially true at maybe the later stages of funding, like maybe the earlier stages are still going through, but it's getting harder to raise maybe Cs, As, Bs, so since you sit at that point, uh, how have you adapted to the changes in the funding funding environment? Uh, have you slowed down funding? Is there more diligence that happening? So let us know what's your perspective on it. Yeah, uh, a bunch of my portfolio companies are in various stages of uh, being in the market or about to hit the market. So uh, I'll speak from that uh, perspective as well. Clearly, uh, there has been a slowdown in the at the pace at which investments used to happen. And I would think these are a, because of a couple of factors. Uh, one is a very macro factor of saying that, look, cheaper money is no longer available. Uh, earlier, you were incentivized to take risk because uh, your risk-free rate, which is USD rate, uh, treasury rates were sub-1%, right? Almost close to zero. So it, it was there was full incentive to go ahead and, and take much higher risk for even a lower return. Now that those interest rates have moved up uh, from a uh, from an asset class perspective, you will have to work a lot more harder uh, to generate the returns to beat that risk free rate. So that essentially means uh, uh, that you would raise a higher bar on the kind of companies one would invest in. So that's one uh, macro factor. The other factor is that look, a lot of investments happened over the last two years. Uh, so I think funds are still trying to figure out, uh, and a lot of that invest investment happened, hoping and thinking that the uh, easy capital uh, availability will remain. So as this pipe has uh, has become a trickle, or the water from this pipe has become a trickle, funds are reassessing their own portfolios to figure out which one needs more help, and which one would need more capital, and what kind of capital, and so on and so forth. So what that essentially has meant is that lesser time to uh, to look at newer opportunities uh, since uh, funds have been more inward looking. And uh, B, uh, reallocation from uh, new investment bucket to follow-on bucket. 
wherein they would like to keep a larger part of their capital aside for uh, such follow-ons in their existing portfolio. So it's been a combination of uh, these two factors that has led to a slowdown, I guess, uh, from whatever market uh, commentary is there. There's enough dry powder that is there. So it's not a matter of uh, uh, whether this will come back or not. It's a matter of timing. But I guess a bit of it was also long overdue. We had been seeing a lot of capital being uh, being invested around in models that were yet to uh, prove a lot of the a uh, lot of the say even a product market fit for example uh, and we've seen companies raise very very large amounts of capital without proving that or for that matter uh, unit economics and the the very basic tenets of investing in some sense so I, I think some bit of uh, that coming back is a welcome news I think it will keep uh, entrepreneurs and investors both disciplined uh, but I guess uh, how long will it last is anyone's call but uh, it has to come back because I guess uh, the growth curves, the right companies will demand investor invest, uh, investors uh, to relook at their uh, their uh, investment thesis, come back to the market and and back them. So yeah, we should probably hope that it comes back. From our perspective, it's probably one of the best times to be having capital and to be ready to deploy. It, it is a completely biased market. We can pick and choose the spaces. Uh, the way we invest is both uh, top-down and bottoms-up. So we have our own sector thesis, sub-sector thesis, and then we start uh, meeting assets across uh, that subsector to figure out which one is the best that we can uh, put in our dollars to work in. So in this market context, it's probably one of the best times to be sitting uh, aside and and evaluating such opportunities uh, from our from our perspective the other thing that uh, that happens is we usually take our time to uh, to do our diligence we wouldn't be one of the guys who can write around their check in in a month so such kind of a market environment also helps so that uh, we are able to do our due process uh, we we have walked away from deals in the past where there wasn't enough time to do DD so so we can do what is rightfully required to be sure of the risk that we are undertaking. So, so that way, I think uh, it's it's a great market environment to be in uh, with uh, with cash on the sides. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think that that's a great uh, perspective to end this with. That capital is still available for the founders who are building great products uh, and with the focus on the basics of the business, which is unit economics and like profitability like if you have all those things in sight then there is money for you right great so now let's move on to the rapid fire round wherein i'll ask you five quick questions about the fund and you have to give five quick answers great so yep. the first one goes what are the sectors and regions you invest in uh consumer uh healthcare across different subsectors uh tech including the dash tech companies like uh, fintech edutech all of that uh region is india we are India focused. It could be uh, build for India or build in India for the world as well. Great. And what's the typical stage you come in at? Uh, series B onwards. And depending on the subsectors, we calibrate it to maybe a C or a D as well. But our typical one would be Series B plus. Great. And what's the typical check size? On the lower end, 8 to $10 million. On the higher end, maybe around $20 million. Median of around 15 odd. 
Great. And where can founders apply for funding in case there is a direct way? Write to us. Uh, our emails uh, are there available on the website. Uh, sometimes LinkedIn also works. Sure, that works. Lastly, where can our listeners follow you? We are not as vocal, but uh, we are there on Twitter. Uh, not as vocal, not as uh, as much sharing uh, that we do on Twitter or other social media platforms. So yeah, follow our website or press releases. For sure, for sure. So I'll make sure to put all those links uh, in the show notes below. Thanks so much for coming on, Richard, and sharing your insights uh, on how the investing happens on the growth equity side. Uh, thanks for coming on and happy investing. Thank you, Prashant. Hope uh, your listeners would find this useful. And yeah, uh, happy investing to all of us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.